Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 17th. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Let's start today with a tale of two governors, East Coast, West Coast, both Democrats who were hailed as early political heroes of the pandemic. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's daily press briefings won him not only strong reviews, but also an Emmy. He even published a book on lessons learned from handling the pandemic back in October. California Governor Gavin Newsom's approval rating spiked last May when he was getting showered with national praise for an early and effective response. But now both governors face a growing political backlash to their COVID pandemic responses. Cuomo's trouble started when new numbers showed New York State undercounted COVID-related deaths in nursing homes by around 50 percent. Last week, the governor's top aide admitted his team held back information out of fear the Trump administration would politicize it. At first, Cuomo went on the defensive, arguing where a person died is irrelevant. But who cares? 33, 28, died in a hospital, died in a nursing home. They died. But on Monday, the governor changed course. Cuomo himself admitted the state had paused in sharing all the data. But he denied that it was a bigger systemic problem. And he said his administration was overworked. Everyone was busy. Everybody was here every day. We're in the midst of managing a pandemic. There was a delay in providing the press and the public all that additional information. There was a delay. The Wall Street Journal reports on how Cuomo's approval ratings are now down and a growing number of state lawmakers of all parties are demanding accountability. Now there's even talk of the state legislature stripping Cuomo of his emergency pandemic powers. Then there's Gavin Newsom in California. As Bloomberg News explains, at the beginning of the pandemic, Newsom was praised for keeping infection rates relatively low. But that has changed. Just last week, California surpassed New York for having the most COVID-related deaths. Lots of conservatives in the state are upset about the way Newsom has handled the pandemic and the stay-at-home measures that he's enforced. Businesses, restaurants, they're upset with the orders, too. Newsom also got a lot of flack when he was caught not wearing a mask at a high-end Napa Valley restaurant called French Laundry. There's now a growing movement to recall Newsom. Conservatives in the state are saying they can get the signatures needed to put a recall measure on the ballot. And if those signatures are verified, that would make Newsom the second California governor to face a recall election. Now, Newsom has mostly shrugged all of this off. He's called the recall effort a waste of taxpayer money. And as for Cuomo, even with a slight dip in approval ratings, he's still relatively popular in his state. And recall elections are not allowed by New York's Constitution. So it turns out disputing an election is big business. The Trump campaign, the Republican Party, Trump allies and conservative organizations together raised hundreds of millions of dollars, which they claimed was going to pay for legal efforts to challenge election results. But now a major donor is demanding his money back. Yeah, the Washington Post brings us this investigation. It's about a Trump supporter named Fred Eshelman. 
And he told the Post after the election he wanted to see if there was any truth to President Trump's claims of voter fraud, if a smoking gun was out there somewhere. So he took a meeting with someone from True the Vote. That's a conservative nonprofit disputing the election results. And after just a 20-minute phone call, Eshelman said, put him down for $2 million. Later on, he donated another half million dollars. True the Vote told Eshelman and other donors it was using their money to seek out whistleblowers, analyze voter data, and file lawsuits. It kept saying it was on the verge of exposing illegal election conspiracies. But so far, the organization produced nothing of substance, though the people behind it say they're still digging. And that's why Eshelman is now suing them. He wants his money back. He says his $2.5 million wasn't used as promised. And he's even claiming his money was pocketed by people connected to True the Vote. Now, the organization maintains the money was appropriately spent and that you can't just take back a donation because you're disappointed with the outcome. And after this whole saga, the Post writes, Eshelman and other people involved with the organization are now questioning whether there was ever any election fraud in the first place. Yesterday, we spoke about how extreme cold is gripping America and how Texas is having a particularly rough time. The electricity grid there is still extremely strained. And today, the problems are putting focus on the very unusual energy system in Texas. On Tuesday morning, parts of Texas were colder than Anchorage, Alaska. And when it's that cold out, the last thing you want is to lose power. But that's what happened to more than four million customers. Texas Governor Greg Abbott called the situation unacceptable. He's called for an investigation and for leaders at the state's power grid to resign. Vox explains what went wrong and why Texas was not more prepared. You see, Texas's power grid is managed by the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT. This nonprofit provides 90% of electricity to people who live in Texas. That's about 26 million customers. Usually, winters in Texas are milder and the demand for energy is lower. But this week, ERCOT got pushed to its limits. That's because when temperatures dropped all of a sudden, the demand for energy spiked, but the supply wasn't there. The state's largest source of electricity is natural gas, and the pipes were backed up with ice. Coal piles froze, wind turbines iced over, and all of that led ERCOT to force blackouts to prevent the whole system from buckling. But lots of Texans are saying they're sitting in the dark, in the cold, for way longer than they were told. And they're not getting a clear picture of when the power is going to come back on. The other factor here, Shemitah, is how unusual Texas is when it comes to power because it operates its own power grid. You know, if you were to look at a map of U.S. power grids, you would see one for the western states and one for the eastern states. And then there's Texas. It stands alone. Mm -hmm. Independence does have its advantages. But when there's a power crunch, other states can buy electricity from adjacent states the way you would ask a neighbor for a cup of sugar in a pinch, you know. But because of the way the grid is designed, Texas can't easily do that. Some people are criticizing Texas for not investing enough in its energy grid now. And even for families who do have power, they're facing soaring electricity prices. NPR reports that authorities and power companies are urging Texans to keep their energy use low, set thermostats no higher than 68 degrees, 
and close all the shades to limit heat loss out of the windows. Have you ever taken a forest bath? I'm not talking about jumping into a tub with a bunch of pine cones. This is the (laughs) Japanese concept of spending time out in the woods with nature, bathing yourself in forest. And according to researchers, there could be some real health benefits to it. So you know how you're always hearing about you should be walking 10,000 steps a day to maintain good health? Well, Uh, yes. uh, (laughs) Don't remind me. (laughs) (laughs) So the the journal is writing about how two hours a week in nature may become the new 10,000 steps. Researchers are increasingly convinced of the therapeutic benefits of just being outside around the trees, not standing on pavement, just catching a breeze and hearing the leaves dance. You know, in one study, scientists found long walks in forests boosted the number of cells in your body that naturally fight cancer, what they call anti-cancer natural killer cells. Another study found People who spend two hours a week in nature have overall better health. Yeah, I was struck by the story of this one pediatrician in Oakland who was concerned about kids in urban areas who don't have easy access to nature. And her practice actually writes prescriptions for it. They write referrals for kids and their parents to join a program to go on nature outings, get out to parks. And she says those visits decrease parents' stress and boost kids' resilience. And it would seem forest bathing is even more important now during the pandemic when so many of us are cooped up indoors. These researchers tell the Wall Street Journal, for all that we obsess over eating the right foods or taking the right vitamins, we've been missing out on an environmental way to boost our health. The best medicine might be walking outside, breathing in fresh air under the trees. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're there, check out some of our audio stories. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.